Welcome along to Benchcast. I'm Neville O'Donoghue and this is a podcast for Benchwarmers. Whose phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Listen to me now, listen to me! Stay still if you don't mind, please. I know you're nervous, but I'm too. Aguero! We're going to do it. Tyson Fury! It's Torres to get Absolutely not. That's a load of rubbish, Sean, to be quite honest. Uh, he's a disgrace to have a football club. What a belt he's given it. That is amazing. I, 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 love, I, love, I love me county, you know. We love Jambalans! On today's show, I have former Ipswich and Charlton Athletic, and of course, Ireland International, Matt Holland. Sit back, relax, and give a listen. Enjoy. Matt Holland. Matt, how are you? Pretty good, thank you. Yeah, yourself? Not sure. Not too bad. Um, I suppose the first question, I have I did a bit of research before I had you on because I know you do a lot of these podcasts and I didn't want to be asking you the, the same crap, you know. So, but, <laughs> but unfortunately, there will be a few of the same questions. But I'm interested, you were born in Bury and moved to London, Matt. I'm interested, um, what team did you follow as, ch- as a child? And what was your childhood like? Okay, so the team I followed was Man United. Yeah. Um, at school, where I was was brought up, you were either Man United or Man City, and the majority actually were were Man United fans. You, you uh, went, I actually you went to school with the Neville's, didn't you? Sort of. I did go to school with the Neville's. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Gary was the year below, uh, and Phil was three years below, I think, something like that. So I didn't know Phil as well, although I've actually got to know Phil quite well um, post, post-playing post uh, by doing some TV stuff with him. Uh, my mum used to play netball, I think, with, with the Neville's mum as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 I did go to school with them. But you, as I say, you're either... That's, that's my uh, window cleaner. Sorry yeah, about okay. that. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so you're either red or blue. And I, I was red and um, followed, followed my dad a bit because my dad played on a Saturday, bit of local football. And uh, we went and watched Berry a fair bit after he played sometimes on a Saturday. But but generally, uh, you know, I was a United fan. OK, I'm interested in your childhood, Matt, because I think you said in another podcast, your dad was a bank manager and you guys moved to London. Was it was it always going to be football from day one? Because we know England is a mad sporting country and... And what was your childhood like? Was it, uh, I suppose, just all football, was it? It was all football, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, as soon as I could walk, really, I was I was going on a Saturday watching my dad. Uh, my dad would play and I'd be on the touchline with the ball, just just kicking it up and down. And he'd take me to every every game he played. I'd, I'd go with him. Uh, as I say, we went and watched Berry as well. And um, But football was all I ever ever wanted to do. Do really? I played all. I played other sports as well. I played, you know, played a bit of cricket actually at, at, at youth level. But but generally, um, football was the, was the way I was always wanting to go. Really, you you had a pretty good career in the end for a guy that was told you were too small. <laughs> uh, too small. Too small is a nice, polite way of saying you're not good enough. Really, to a to a thirteen year old. Um, I, look, I, I I would say I wasn't the most talented player that's ever walked the earth. I wasn't the most gifted I wasn't the most natural player uh, but I had 
you know, a, a, a good attitude, a good desire, a good heart, really, you know, wanted to, wanted to perform, wanted to work and um, made the best out of my ability. So that's something I'm actually pretty proud of, really, because I know there's a lot better players than me that, that never made it. You know, I, I came through the ranks at West Ham and there were some really talented players there and who never made a career out of the game. So for me to have done that, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. What advice would you give to a young footballer trying to make it now? Because, you know, like that must have been very upsetting when you were told you were too small and you had to block out that and say, screw it, I'm going to make it anyway. Well, I, I always say that um, the, the, responding to setbacks is probably the most, most important bit of advice I give to young children because everyone's going to get knockbacks. Everyone's going to get told they're not good enough. Everyone's going to get told that, that you know, maybe you're not for them. But I always say that's only one person's opinion. Yeah. And, and, you know, one person eyes might look at you and think, well, you're not really for me. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. But another scout, another might look at you and go, well, actually he does do this and he does do that. And he does do this. And he's, he's actually going to be perfect for what we want as well. So, so many people I've seen get a knockback, get told they're not good enough and just give up football, think they don't want to do it anymore. And I just say, well, it's only one person's opinion. Go and prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And what? Speaking of opinions, then I gotta ask you because you saw I put up. Um, you know, you you have to have belief in yourself. Oh, sorry. Do, go on. You. I just the lost you there for a minute. You're back now again. The Wi-Fi just went a bit bad, Matt. So have, have belief in yourself. You were saying basically. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, you've got to have a belief in yourself. You've got to have a, a belief that, that you're capable of doing it. You, you know, you've got to have a certain amount of ability to, to do it. Of course you have. You can't, you know, you, you can't expect to have to happen, but you have to believe in your own ability that you're good enough to, to belong. Uh, sometimes, you know, it takes one good performance. Uh, uh, maybe for me, training with the first team at West Ham, the first time, you know, I, I was sort of... Uh, bamboozled by it really when I was 16 um joined the first team training and, and everything just happened around me I just was running around and not getting a kick yeah. but you learn a lot and you know the second and third time you go and train with them it, it becomes a bit more natural and you just got to you, you know you got to believe that you belong in that company I got we got a few questions in then obviously Matt you might have seen that but I got to ask you about that clip with Harry Redknapp that went viral yourself and yeah. Scotty Scotty Cannon is it um that's right yeah why, what did you make of that like, you know? To be honest, that's something, something that's resurfaced many years later. I didn't, I wasn't aware of it at the time, that video. And it's it's something that has, has happened or I've only become aware of really in the last maybe six, seven years, something like that. And it, it seems to get regurgitated and, and shown to me quite regularly or sent to me quite regularly. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that because, again, it's all about opinions and, and actually... Uh, looking back, Harry tried to sign me when I signed for Charlton at Portsmouth, and right. um, so so he must have thought I, I was I wasn't too bad. To yeah. be honest, I've had some good conversations with him since as well, and he's you know he, 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 I met him actually at um, Stamford Bridge uh, about maybe five or six years ago, and um, he was very complimentary to, to about me to my son, and um, so we, I've got no problem with Harry. He's you know he's obviously a great character, a great judge of a player, and. Uh, at the time, you know, you can't argue that Frank Lampard went on to great things. So he, he got it pretty much spot on, didn't he? He did. Um, I suppose before we go into your club career then, Matt, I got to ask you about Ireland then because what you achieved with Ireland, you know. And um, before I ask you, though, is uh, 
obviously you're the granny from Monaghan and I'd be interested myself, but someone asked us, is that, do you still have family connections in Monaghan or do you have any cousins or anything? Yeah, I do, I do have family. I mean, I'm not, uh, I don't see him very regularly. Um, obviously over for the, for the matches at times and, and occasionally see them, but um, yeah, I, I don't see them very often. Uh, my nan obviously lived in England as well. So um, I, I, I obviously saw my nan quite regularly um, where, where Louis lives. She had a, they, they were steward and stewardesses at a golf club in uh, near Bolton, actually. So I used to see them quite, quite regularly. And um, so, yeah, but I, I do, you know, I still have some family over in, in Monaghan, yeah. Right. And then I got to ask you then, I suppose, about that, that famous goal against uh, Cameroon, because I think I was 12 at the time. And I remember getting up to go for the big fry up in Ireland and my old fellow went for a few points. But just talk to me about that. And I, I listened to a few weeks or last year on Off the Ball and how you said... Um, your dad was at the game and now he's passed since and how special it was because like, like actually both my parents are gone as well, but you know, it's, it was really how, you know, that goal was nearly for them as much as it was for you, you know? Definitely. I mean, I can sit here now and say that I, I wouldn't have had the career that I had without my dad. There's, there's no question about that because of the commitment, the time, the effort that he took to take me to matches, to, to take me to training all those sort of cold winter days and, and was, was there for me to, to go and do those things and, and sacrificed a lot of his own, you know, um, enjoyment as well, I guess, in many ways, because he could have continued playing football himself, but took me all over the place, really playing matches um, and was always a good sounding board for me as well. You know, someone after a game, I'd always ring, regardless of, of whether he was at the match or not at the match. I always felt he was a good sounding board to talk to and, um, vent off some frustrations at times to him uh, we had many silent car journeys after matches where he hadn't thought I'd done very well and um I, and I'd sort of argue my case and we, but he was a you know my biggest fan and also my biggest critic and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have achieved what I did without him so for him to be able to witness that and go to that game and be at, the, at that game or I mean he was at the first two matches so um that was that was pretty special to be able to share it with him how did how did you manage to keep the ball down? Because uh, I was sure you were, like a lot of times the ball would get ballooned up into the air. Um, and the second question I'd also like to ask you: Which goal did you prefer the most, that one or the one against Portugal? Well, with that one, I mean, I always um, practiced volleys a lot from from a very young age, and um, my my uh, my house got ruined, literally ruined. I. The, the, the photo frames that we had on the walls and on the bookcases and stuff were all smashed. So mm-hmm. we, we used to break, I used to break them all the time. I had a soft, I had a soft um, ball in the house and I used to throw it up and volley it against the wall. It was a far wall that I used as a, as a goal really. Mm-hmm. But of course it does go astray and you smash things and the, all the photo frames had no glass in them. There was, there was, they were all smashed. My mum, I think she must've known, but she never said anything. She never said, oh, you broke another one. It, it just it just happened. So there's no glass in any of the photo frames. But it was something I practiced a lot. Volleys, trying to keep them down and trying to hit this wall in the house. Yeah. Um, carried that on. And, and um, you know, when it came to me, it just it just fell nicely and just concentrated on getting a, a sweet connection, really. And I guess all those years of practice paid off. Yeah, oh, definitely. And uh, talk to me about the one against Portugal. That was a special goal, too. Yeah, a bit different, that one. I mean, I that it just opened up for me and, and I sort of was trying to 
maybe find a cross, find a pass, whatever it was, but they just kept backing off and there was a bit, bit of space to run into. And that was a bit more of a, that's a bit more of a hit and hope. I mean, the one against Cameroon was, was I, I yes. sort of picked the spot really. Whereas that one against Portugal was a little bit more, get a good connection, get a good strike on it and, and hope really that one. So that was a bit more fortunate. So I think they, the cat, that was my first international goal, so very special. But I think to score at a World Cup and and actually, you know, that was the area where I was trying to hit as well and caught it as clean as I did. And uh, the stage that that was, I guess that one has to be my favourite. Definitely. Uh, I suppose i got to ask you then about, like, do you think, obviously, if yourself and Roy were in the centre of midfield, but obviously Mark Kinsler was a great player too. Like, we were, we were blessed, like, I think at the time, I think David Connolly was the only player not in the Premier League. I think you were all playing Premier League football. But do you think if Roy Keane maybe stayed, because you look at that World Cup, like South Korea did very well, you know, it was a weaker World Cup. Do you think we could have, because we should have beaten Spain, do you think we could have won the World Cup? If uh, Well, <laughs> yeah, who knows? If, buts, maybes, you know, you just you just never know, do you? On, on a given day, we might have, we might have done, who, done better. Um, look, Roy's an incredibly special player. You know, as, as a Man United fan, I just said I was a Man United fan. Growing up, I used to watch and learn and try and take all aspects of his game, really, and, and, and try and develop into a better player myself. He was just you know, the one player in our squad that at that time would have got into every other international side. Was, he was the one player that we had that would have done that. So to miss him was a massive blow. Um, and, and who knows if buts maybe like you say we did have some really good players left as well Colin Healy was unfortunate not to get the call up after after Roy had left we had Lee Carsley of course who, who hardly featured in that that World Cup as well who who was a, was a really good player so there was there was lots of players who were, were knocking on the door really and myself and Kins had, had played quite a few times together previously uh, we'd had some good battles previously, Ipswich against Charlton. And yeah. so we, we knew each other really well. And, and um, I know his family are from Colchester, which is where, where I live as well. Um, like his in-laws were from Colchester. So um, known Kins quite a bit before I got into the squad as well. And we were, we were you know, got on well. So it, it was a good partnership in the end. But we, you know, as I say, you just never know really with and without Roy what might have happened. And another question that came in, and I'd be interested as well, because... Obviously, I was a big supporter back then. Is that how come we could never make it to the Euros? You know, like we got to the World Cup, but we because I always thought if we got to the Euros, we we could realistically had a very good chance of going further or even winning it. You know, yeah, no, it's it's strange one, isn't it? I mean, it's because in many ways you'd think it'd be maybe easier to, to qualify for you. It certainly is now, isn't it? When they've extended the tournament, yeah. I think it's a bit easier now to, to, to qualify for the for the Euros um, than when it when it um, when we were sort of playing. Um, but yes, it's a really strange one. I mean, that that World Cup qualification, crikey! When you think Portugal and Holland in the same group, and then you know we, we still yeah. managed to get there as well. It's it's a strange one why we never managed to be able to do that in the Euros as well. No, definitely. And then I got to ask about your club, then um, Matt. Um, I, I remember you were Charlton, but I suppose to ask you which club did you enjoy the most? I, I see. And the other question I ask is. You played 223 games in a row with Ipswich. Like that, how did you manage that? Like, you know, <laughs> I managed that with a bit of luck. Um, George Burley's uh, determination to get me go to the seaside and, and had the seawater healing. Yeah. Um, and I just had a desire to play matches, hated missing matches, and, and played when I probably shouldn't have done it at times. 
Um, I was very fortunate to play for the clubs that I did. Uh, and Bournemouth was a special club as well when I, when I sort of set out at Bournemouth. I was at West Ham first. Um, Ipswich and Charlton, I spent six years at both of them. I spent more years in the Premier League with Charlton. Um, but with, with Ipswich, we got promoted. We had a win at Wembley. Um, so, we, you know, we, we, um, I had some good times at all my clubs. It's, it's, I'm, I'm local now to Ipswich. I'm involved with their uh, community trust um and and you know on the charity side of the football club and work with the ex-players association at Ipswich as well so that's just up the road probably go and watch them more often than I would say Charlton um but all special clubs and I was fortunate really to play for the clubs that I did because they're all all real good community family run clubs when you were playing in the Premier League because like I read um, Tony Adams' book and I read Paul McGrath's book and obviously there was a lot of parting went on in the Premier League and you look at the level of Scott to know. Was there was that going on when you were playing in the Premier League? Partying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, crikey, but we had, you know, we had nights out. Of course we did as a, as a group of lads. We had we had some 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 good nights out, Christmas do's and stuff like that. I mean, I wasn't I was I wasn't someone necessarily that was out all the time and, and yeah. um no, but, I just, you know I, I enjoyed, I just wonder, like, you know, like if you read Tony Adams' book or Paul McGrath, like, I don't know how those guys were such top players when the amount of drinking they were doing, you know? Yeah, I think it, it, it changed an awful lot. From when I first when I first got in at West Ham, I was 16 years of age. I'm trying to think what year. So that would have been 1990. And there was still a bit of a drinking culture then. You know, you, you'd finish the game and there'd be crates of beer on the back of the bus. And, um, you, you know, you'd have a beer on the way back from games. Um, uh, I Tuesday club so you invariably have the Wednesday off so you you train on the Tuesday have a good beer on the Tuesday and off on the Wednesday this I'm talking about the first team now when I was yeah. sort of 16 and the first this is what the first team were doing yeah. um so there was a bit of a more of a drinking culture I guess in in football then but nowadays it's it's totally changed honestly I was I was at Ipswich a couple of weeks back and talking to some of the staff there and they said honestly we tried to get the lads to go now. He said, there's probably only two or three other squad that would probably do it. He said, the rest of them are so prof- professional and so sort of um, focused and driven by the football and, and um, keeping fit and eating the right things and doing the right things that you'd struggle to get them out now, really, to do that. Whereas I think it, it's not a bad thing to get to do these things occasionally, not all the time, but yeah. just to go and you know have a, have a, um, a bonding session, if you like. I'm not saying get absolutely plastered, but I'm saying... Just have a have a couple of beers as a group. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that occasionally. Well, I, I was interested actually is that when you missed that penalty in the World Cup, Kevin Kilban was one of the guys who got you out of the room, you know. So there, yeah. there is time sort of like, isn't there? Honestly, that was class from Kev. He's you know he's a top guy, and um, yeah, I, I'll forever be grateful actually for for that because it was yeah it was the lowest point that you can imagine. You know, missing a penalty in the World Cup and you're out. It was it was low. Um, and I was quite happy just to stay in my room and not go out and, and sort of drown my sorrows in my room, really. But he came, made it, said that we're all going out. Everyone's group, we're, we're just going to go have a beer and, and get on with it. So glad he did. You know, ended up ended up sort of drinking in Michael Flatley's um, rooftop, whatever he had, a hotel room. I think he had about, they had the whole top floor of a hotel in, in, in Korea and we there was about four or five of us ended up there having breakfast and a few drinks even at six seven o'clock in the morning still so it was um it was a good night but um yeah I'd rather I'd rather we'd gone through and I wasn't having that evening 
Yeah. I, I was just thinking Ireland was good for you though as well, wasn't it, Matt? Like, like well, obviously with the goal and the, going to the World Cup, but like, you know, like I, I remember Robbie Keane, he'd go through a bad phase, but then he'd go well for Ireland and then it helped his club game. You know, it definitely helped your club game too, I'd say, did it? Definitely, definitely. I, do you know, I think that's a really good point as well because there are times when when you're having a bad time at club level and there was a few players that, you know, weren't necessarily in the team and yet they'd come away with Ireland and be different players. It, yeah. it, it was a really great group of lads is what I'd say. You know, the, the atmosphere when you went away was always great fun. It was always just, just a, um, a good laugh. Yes, it was a good laugh, but you know, you take it seriously when the games come around, but there was just a really good camaraderie about the group of players. So it was always good for players, I think, to, maybe freshen up a little bit as well can become a bit stale going to the same training ground all the time same people same faces then getting back to see your mates and 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 you know play international football it was good good to be able to do that as well at times and, and it could change your form as well at times um but yeah i mean I, I had a great time with with brilliant brilliant lads really yeah um i gotta ask you as well because graham sooner says no that he would make it in the modern game, like the way the level has gone. Like, do you think you'd make it now? Or even like, besides yourself, like, you know, like you look at how many Irish players do we have in the Premier League? Like, you know, what do we have to do to get more Irish players in the top league, you know? Yeah, it, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, it's different eras, different times, different players, different styles. Yeah. You know, you, you're never quite sure. Um whether, you know, whether you'd fit into a certain era, if you like, I, I beg to differ with Graham Souness. He was he was pretty good. I think he yeah. I think he'd, he'd manage all right. I know he may, I know he liked to tackle and he might get sent off a bit more more than he did back in the day, but he was still a pretty special player. So I think he'd still have been all right. Um, to get I mean look to get Irish players in the league it's it's, it's not easy. It's not it, it really isn't easy. You know because clubs want ready made success and they they don't tend to give opportunities to younger players because they can go out and spend and um, sometimes it's a bit cheaper to go out go abroad and, and, and get players as well um, you know and I noticed this I, I, I John Egan on the podcast a few weeks ago and he said that like you're competing against the whole world now you know whereas maybe in your time you were competing with maybe just Europe maybe you know yeah absolutely that's that's definitely right I mean it, you know it's, it's become um, so global and and you know the scouting networks now for football clubs go everywhere and and there's there's no there's nowhere that 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 um you know that scouts don't go now they're, they're all over the world and they know they know all about players from from an early age there's there's scouts all the time there's agents all the time ringing them and and people know about players before before anybody else does as well so it, it, you are competing against the world it's not it's not easy um with brexit as well that's that sort of makes it a little bit more difficult with with yeah. irish players coming over to to play in england as well um, that, that that sort of makes it uh, slightly more difficult, but um, yeah, it's, it is tough because because players clubs can just go out and spend money and, and bring the you know the best of the best at their prime as well. Definitely. Um, final few questions, then I suppose, Matt. Um, this is an obvious one. Um, who's the best player you played with or played against? Great questions, and I, I, it's so it's so difficult to sort of quantify best. You know who's the most talented, who's the most gifted. I, I always think with, with Roy Keane, for instance, that he, 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 um, he had such a big influence on the pitch and on everyone around him. I, you know, if actually gifted footballer, Roy, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't like Robbie Keane or Damien Duff 
um, but his influence on the team and those around him driving everybody else on, you know, he, he probably had the biggest influence on games that, that I've seen individually. Some of the matches that, you know, he played Portugal at, at home and certain other fixtures, the, the Dutch at home, you know, you can just look back at some of those matches and, and the influence that he had on the games that you'd probably say that he, he was the one that had the biggest influence on games. Um, but Robbie Keane and Damien Duff, people like that, were so supremely talented. Di Canio I played with at Charlton. He was he was a supremely talented guy. And some of the stuff he did in training, you just go, wow. Um, against, I mean, crikey, we, 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 we were lucky playing against some of, the, some of the very best. I mean, Zidane floated. He was just so, so naturally gifted and talented. Um, but I, I always sort of look at people in, in my position as well, coming up against Roy and Patrick Vieira, uh, people like that, really. Um, Steven Gerrard was 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 a difficult opponent because he he you know did a bit of everything as well. You know he he was a proper box to box midfielder. I think you know that, that I enjoyed those battles. I relished those battles coming up against the, the best of the best, really, and testing yourself against those. And and I liked the box to box midfielders because that's what I felt I was as well. Uh, what do you know this matter I think you're, you're involved with talk sport and do a bit with premier sport and are you involved with I think you said you're doing a bit with Ipswich you're doing any coaching as well are you no I, I did my B licence when I when I finished playing I, I obviously like everybody else you consider management you consider coaching I uh, got offered the reserve team manager's job at Charlton when I was about 32, 33 something like that but I felt it was a bit early for me um, and Andy Townsend actually was the one that said to me when you finish in playing, just try and keep as many doors open as possible, you know, because you never know which one might open and, and which way, which path you might go down. But when you do start making a decision, don't try and do a bit of this and a bit of that. Just commit to one. Um, and, and the door to media really opened up more for me than it did coaching and the management side of things. So that's why I've ended up sort of going into the media more. Uh, I do work for Talk Sport. I work for, for the Premier League Direct, where we, a lot of our stuff goes abroad. Um, commentaries I'm at games most weekends and uh, do a show as well an analysis show uh, which I present um, so that's that's all good stuff and really enjoy that the media side of things uh, involved a little bit at Ipswich with the ex-players association and the community trust as well um, so yeah it's, it's, it's a nice nice work-life balance I've got now really I'll, I'll probably work about three days a week on average something like that and um, the rest of the time I try and go to the gym and play a bit of golf like like all ex-players really no, I, I heard you on a commentary duty the other night, all right? And um, what's your, I suppose, besides golf then, Matt, uh, you have two boys, do you? And I think I remember hearing you saying an off the ball that um, has your wife got horses or something? Is that your other yeah, we've got Yeah, we've got horses at home. So we've got we've got three horses here, which um, she's a show jumper. So she she uh, she competes show jumping. Um, in fact, I think she's just wrote me into a to an event this week on on Saturday. I think I'm not working till Sunday, so on Saturday I'm I'm, I'm going with her to, to go and watch her show. Well, I'll say that be a groom really, just go and hold her horses and pick their feet out and all that sort of stuff. Um, we're we're home alone now. The two boys have moved out. They're they're a bit bigger and and both live in London. The oldest one's bought a house. The youngest one rents a room off him. He tells me he tells me he's doing him a good deal. Not sure how good a deal it is, but he, he tells me he's doing him a good deal. Um, and and they actually work in the same office as well in London. So uh, yeah, I, I, I see them about once a month now. If if we're lucky, we have to probably go out there and see them, or or they they occasionally come back when they want something, when the washing done or something. But 
Um, yeah, we, it, it's, um, it's quite quiet really at home, but we, we kept busy with the horses because they are a commitment. Oh, definitely. And uh, finally, Matt, like, um, what do you think of the way the game is now at the moment with, in, in football or soccer that, you know, like we had the European Super League there threat the start last year. And who do you think is going to win the Champions League in the Premier League this year? Do you know, I mean, it's hard to look beyond Man City, really. I've seen them live now a few times. And, and even, even when you know what they're going to do and how they're going to play, they're just so difficult to stop. They're so good at what they do. And uh, I, I just think that they're, they're, they're probably if, if they don't win the Champions League under Pep, I think it'll be seen as a massive failure because because of the squad that they've got, the quality that they've got. Obviously, the result last night and um, they, ju- they just look the team to beat, if I'm honest. And, and it's going to be difficult for anyone to, to do that. I mean, look, on any given day, they can get beat. We've seen it over the course of the season. Crystal Palace beat them at their place. So it's possible to, to get the better of them. But over the course of, of a long season, then that they are the best, I think. And, and they'll probably go and win the Premier League. Champions League, cup competition, you know, they can come up short. But I still think it'd be a failure if they don't win it under, under Pep. Whether that's this year or, or the next couple of years, I think, I think that they've got so much quality that, that um, at the moment I'd still make them favourites for that competition as well. Definitely. And finally, Matt, I do this with all my guests. Um, 60 seconds where I ask you questions on the spot. So, yeah, no problem at all. Um, Favourite food? Food? Oh, crikey. Um, stir fry, maybe? Favourite golf course? Favourite golf course? Uh, what's my favourite golf course? Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to play the Masters, Augusta. I think that, that is such a special course. Um, how often do you do your dirty laundry? I don't do it. I, I, I've got to hold my hand up. Um, my wife does all the washing, if I'm, if I'm totally honest. I do some of the cooking and some of the, the washing up, but the washing, I wouldn't even know how to use the, the washing machine. All right. Uh, Favourite film? Film? I'm not, a massive, I'm not a massive film lover. I don't, you know, I, I tend to rather what I'd rather watch. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, Afterlife recently was brilliant. Ricky Gervais's Afterlife. Yeah. So TV series, I, I tend to watch more of than films. Uh, go to karaoke song. God, don't ever get up on the karaoke. Honestly, I, when we were away, when we were away at the World Cup, Robbie Keane was, was the king of the karaoke. He's, he's something else. He's decent as well. He can sing, but uh, you won't get me near the karaoke. Right. Uh, what's your weakness? Weakness? Yeah. Uh, crikey, I've got plenty. I, I, I wish my wife was here. She'd come in and tell you about a long list. She's got she's got a list about that long. I don't know. Uh, crikey. Um, what's my weakness? My driving at golf. I know that. Right. Um, uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. Uh, Favourite chocolate bear? Uh, I, like, I like dairy milk. Right. And finally, Matt, uh, Westlife or Boys on? boys own. Okay. Matt, thanks a million for that. And look, thanks a million because uh, you gave us great memories in 2002 and that World Cup and uh, it's been great talking to you. Absolute pleasure. Look, thanks for having me on and um, keep safe and well. And and the memories, the memories are great for me as well. And um, I appreciate all the support that, that I had over the years as well. So thank you. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to former Ireland International and Ipswich and Charlton Athletic player, Matt Arnold. An absolute gent to talk to Matt and a great, great player for Ireland and uh, what great memories they were back in 2002. Hopefully 
they're not too far away again and um, thanks again to Matt for coming on the podcast uh, it was great to get him on I remember going into the pub to watch those matches early morning when I was a child and you know that goal against Cameroon will live forevermore in our memory but um, until next time where I'll have someone else from the world of sport huh? remember you can get this podcast on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts I'm Neville O'Donoghue thanks for listening and I'm over here